This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forrester, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. Man, today I am excited to share with you Tony Horton. Now, if you, like me, knew Tony as the P90X guru, man, he is so, so much more. Um, His journey to getting to P90X and then after that is absolutely amazing. It gives encouragement for, you know, persevering to keeping yourself in the driver's seat and investing in us. We're our best investment. And I'm sure you're going to see that out of Tony's story and how he's grown. So, Tony, how are you doing today, my friend? I am well, Mike. My pleasure, man. Great being on with you today. Well, thank you for joining me. Um, Tony, I'll be honest, man. When I was doing P90X, wow, way, you know, in the heyday, I loved the workouts, except for one. Can you guess yoga. what it was? It was yoga or Pilates. It absolutely was, man. Was it that, like... I know, I know. An hour and a half. What's the matter with you, Horton? What are you up to? What are you trying to do? Kill us? But here's the crazy thing. Dude, that was the most vibrant workout. And it's like, I still have to bust it out every once in a while, Tony, and go, all right, man, here we go. Now, my daughter, one of my daughters on the other hand, dude, she absolutely loves, I think it's like looking behind you in the car, something to do with the car, like you're turning around. Anyways. Wow. Mm. So well, yeah, it was 2004. So I don't. Was it really man. back then? Yeah, man. That's it's oh. been that long. It's just TikTok. Life goes on. You know, I can't believe it's hey, 2022. I was a young whippersnapper of 42 years old. Not anymore. Dude, you're still looking like a young whippersnapper. Let's be honest. Come well, on. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I had a shoot today. I had a shoot, and I literally came from the shoot to here. So there is a little bit of makeup still going on. You know what I mean? Which is nice for a Zoom call with you, Mike. I, it's working out go. good for me. Yeah. Good it was time. actually for the Zoom call, right? It's just. <laughs> yes. Yes. I had a whole team come in. I had a team of sculptors come in here and start chiseling away to, to make this thing look like something, you know? <laughs> oh, buddy. No. Hey, so can we talk about where things are for you today on the business side of life? You know what? It's very cool that you asked that question out of the box. It's never that. You know what I mean? It's always sort of the origin story. Like, well, you were born in a van down by the river, and then you moved your way up to junior high school where the kids were beating the crap out of you, and then and then you you got over your speech impediment. So it's nice to know where I am now. You know, I'm I'm um I left Beachbody about four years ago. They just just uh, the relationship just kind of went bad, and uh, but it was a great twenty year run without them. Um, I wouldn't be where I am. I mean, honestly, so it, what, that's a good thing. But, you know, all good things come to an end. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't my fault, but uh, it is what it is. But what happened was a lot of doors opened up for me. So I'm on Tonal now. And if you don't know what Tonal is, you can Google it at Tonal.com. It's this amazing, futuristic, incredible piece of equipment. And I'm one of the many trainers on the program. And my plat- my programs are doing quite well on there, which is nice, partly because I'm known. And, and I have a fl- slightly different delivery system than most trainers, which I think is is inviting. 
um, based on my humor and and my encouragement, uh, whatever I want to, you know, the same way I would talk to a friend, you know, I do the same thing on Tonal. And that's been a great relationship been with them for a couple of years. And about that same time when I, I was sick back in uh, October 20, 2017, and as I was coming out of my illness, I was talking to some folks to kind of create some concoctions, protein powder or other different things for my gut health and whatnot. And I, I met with these folks, uh, the parent company is called Golden Hippo in there. And they've manufactured and made my my supplement line called Power Life. And so they were here today. That's thus the makeup. Uh, they were here today shooting various segments uh, for the protein powder, for the foundation four, for different things. Mm-hmm. And that's just been a fun ride. It's just they're just a great, great product line. I mean, I use them all day. I mean, there are one, two, four, 12 SKUs right now and a couple more down the road. So uh, those two projects, plus my wife and I started this little this little mom and pop shop routine called the power of four. And and so the power of four is made up of exercise, nutrition, supplementation, and mindfulness, right? So there's like, if you have bought my book, there's 11 laws, these are the four pillars. And then there's going to be the 13 mega steps. I don't know. I'm not there yet on that one, but these are the four things that I kind of try to practice on a regular basis that allow me to work out five to six days a week, sometimes seven, and be able to sustain and maintain that as I move into my, you know, I'm almost, I'm in my mid sixties here. And so, um, yeah. And so, you know, it is, it, it, that, that's kind of where I'm hanging my hat. I have a, I have a equipment fitness line, a TH fitness equipment line that has like med balls and, and, and pot, we call them power stands or push-up stands and mats and different things. Um, and then I have a skin and hair care product line called TH care, TH fitness, TH care, my initials TH and uh, the TH care and the TH fitness kind of run by themselves. I'm, you know, I mean, I do a little something here and there. It's those other three that occupy most of my day. Mm-hmm. Plus, I just finished a five-day event here at my home. It's our seventh and I think our final one called Tony Horton's Paragon Experience, Discovering Your Best Self. And so we had nine people from Kuwait, Kuwait City, and then Americans and Canadians all mashed together at my home uh, for five days straight. And it's just a it's everything. It's workouts and seminars and tutorials and workshops and and martial arts and kickboxing and, and animal flow and ninja and, you know, and, and breath work. It's just, uh, it covers the gamut. And uh, I'm still recovering from that, you know, 24, <laughs> 24 people plus staff plus caterers. You know what I mean? The place looked yeah. like a, you know, like a four seasons people running around, but it's very rewarding, not only for the people that come, because it really is a life changer. You're just, you just, immersed in all this intel and information. And then the final day, we show people how to break it all down and kind of prioritize what, what kind of is the next step because they, you know, they, they walk out of here and like, I have so much information. What do I do? And a so, drink from a fire uh, hose And that's kind of where deal. we are. Yeah. What's that, Mike? Kind of drink from a fire hose type deal. Yeah. All, all of us, including me. Yeah. Just, uh, and all catered amazing plant-based food. Just hmm. people just came for the food. It was so stunning and it was great. Great, great five days. That's awesome. Now, as far as today on the personal side of life, what does that look like? I'm you're working alongside your wife. So, I mean, that's gotta be super cool because you get to see her, you love, love being with her, right? Yeah, she truly does. Now she keeps me from wandering off into the woods, which I would have a tendency to do on occasion. You know what I mean? Where is he? He's over there. Get, bring him back. She's just my best friend. She's just so smart. She's funny. You know I mean? She's, She's a good, she's a looker too, but beyond that, you know what I mean? I've, I've dated some pretty girls in the past, but never somebody who just had my heart and my soul, like my wife mm-hmm. does. And she just, you know, early on, I'm, and I never sort of shared that part of my life with any person in my relationship. I always thought it was smart to keep that separate. 
know what I mean? You do your thing and I'll support you no matter what it is and I'll do my thing. But she's just 10 times smarter than I am and she's got great ideas. And, you know, um, you know, early on when we were first dating, yeah, she wasn't involved. And then after our marriage about six years ago, um, you know, I would ask, I kind of ask her a question, what do you think about this? And her answer was always brilliant. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I said, hey, you know, why don't we do this thing together? And she had a, you know, real estate license and she was going to do that, sell real estate. And um, she's also a great, a great cook. Um, and so she created the uh, the whole nutrition guide and the, and the recipe guide for the power of four. And I'm like, oh my God, you are so skilled. So, you know, on the personal side of things, I just, you know, I just want to spend time with her and I want to start traveling with her now that COVID is doing whatever it's doing. I don't know what the heck it's doing, but um, you know, I'll throw a mask on and see where I can go without getting sick. And um, cause summertime is coming. So we, we plan on traveling a little bit. We got a wedding up in Seattle. I have family in Rhode Island and then we have a place in Jackson hole. So we're trying to kind of bing, 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 you know, do a little tour this summer and just learning to relax and, and work out with my friends, man, and, and go for runs and lay on the couch in the backyard and, and play with my three dogs. You know what I mean? And, and cause we were burning the candle at both ends right up to the end of that Paragon experience and the shoot today. And I got to shoot tomorrow. You know, so the beat goes on, but I find little windows to, to laugh and, and watch some good TV, you know, and hang out with my gal. Take a breath in between everything to get ready for the next verse. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so with all of that stuff going on, how do you keep yourself energized? I mean, if you're not like refilling yourself, you don't have anything to give and you're given a whole lot in this process. Like, what does it look like as far as, you know, recharging yourself? I follow the rules, man. The rules that I created many years ago, you know, the first rules were my book, the big picture, the 11 laws that will change your life, which changed my life. You know, do your best, forget the rest, find your purpose, have a plan. Variety is the spice of life. Consistency is, is, is the reign supreme is, and on and on and on. These are just things that are sort of naturally who I am now. And I, I'm a plant-based food eater that keeps the inflammation down and the energy up. I don't drink alcohol ever, ever anymore. I never had a problem, you know, thank God. Um, but I just, it just didn't work into my lifestyle. And I, you know, the few times I did, I was a little bit more louder and obnoxious than I am as I am right now. So I just sort of cut that out. It didn't serve me. Um, and then I get some decent sleep, man. I mean, I, I've, you know, bamboo sheets, great mattress, great mattress pad, pitch black in there, no TV, no phone, no laptop in the bedroom. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it's just kind of doing all these, you know, you do some research, you, you, have, you have trouble in some area, you do some research, you practice that, what that research is, it works or it doesn't work. If it does do it, you know what I mean? I'm not, I, I don't fight, I don't fight creating the quality of my life tooth and nail. I just say, okay, here's an expert, you know, like my, my recent book I read was James Nestor's book, Breath. Okay, now I practice all the breathing techniques out of that book because I didn't know about them before. Now I do. Now I'm a better man for it. Mm. And so, you know, if you're going to be kind of, if you got four or five businesses going at once, then you got to allow the pendulum to swing in both directions. You know what I mean? I mean, there's yin and yang, right? Yin and yang. And too many people are yang, or we call it yang in this country, but it's yang. And, um, and then if you're living over there the whole time, well, then, you know, you're going to end up like with Ramsey Hunt syndrome, like I did a few years back. And so I just meditate every day and I pet my dog every day and I, I crank music every day and I jump in the, in the jacuzzi and uh, the, in the Epsom salt bath as often as I can. And, you know, and take naps and all of it. And I just, yeah, I just, I listen to my body and my brain and I do what it says. 
very wise. Mm. You've, you've mentioned your book. Can you share how you got to rule number one? Like mm. do your best, you know, like, can you, can you share how you got to that point? Well, I used to be extraordinarily judgmental about who I was as I was progressing through my life in the early days. So I just assumed that I was supposed to automatically know how to do everything well from the get-go. And that was rarely ever the case, you know? And so if I wasn't good at something, I quit. You know, I just quit because, oh, that wasn't good enough. So I quit. Or if I, you know, whatever. I was just, it's just, I was in a constant state of judgment. And my expectations were through the roof and they shouldn't have been based on the little I knew about so many different categories of my life. And then I read a few books and some of them are behind me and I see you've got a few of them behind you as well. Right. You know, so um, I think it was Dana Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements. And if you say that wrong, it sounds like Dom DeLuise, which is a different guy who I used to work for a long time ago, oddly enough. And the first law in his book is do your best. And as I read that chapter, and I, the book's 134 pages. It's it's really tiny. It's it's one of these back here. Oh, that's a companion book, but that's basically that's another one. Don Miguel Ruiz. And do your best was a lot about hey, understanding that life changes for a myriad of reasons. It could be weather, it could be biorhythms, it could be barometric pressure, it could be stress, it could be what you ate the night before, it could be the things you're dealing with, it could be any number of things. And so there's really this sort of there's a lot of unpredictable exterior occurrences that are affecting your body and brain's ability to process what it is that you need to do. And so if you understand that. Well, then what do you what do you have in this moment based on what your task is, whether it's exercise or anything? And so, you know, knowing that that your best changes from day to day, you know, I don't know anybody who lives a life like this. What? Right. There's ups and downs. And, and, and that's just part of uh, part of growth and transformation and, and moving through life. And so once I once I realized that I took part of the title of that of his book, and I went do your best. And for me, it was. All the rest is all that other stuff that slows you down and prevents you from being able to live the life that you want to live, right? So if the rest is bad sleep or the rest is I'm dehydrated or the rest I'm, I've overtrained or if the rest is just an argument with somebody over the phone over something stupid, because there's all kinds of different things that are occurring that are putting a lot of pressure on us, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, right? And so there they are. You got to deal with them. What's the, what's the job at hand? Go in there and just show up because, you know, I talk about intensity as well, but, you know, crank up the intensity is chapter six in the book. And, you know, um, in, uh, consistency is, is, I think, more important than intensity. Just be there. Like, what if you just have the worst yoga session? You, you get P90X, it's an hour and a half, and you just lie in Shavasana for half of it. So what? So what? You know, just leave yourself alone. Be there. Do what you can. And then as, as the minutes progress, well, maybe you can do a little bit more or maybe you can't. So it's all OK. It's all OK. As long as you're not sitting on the couch, you know, smoking cigarettes, watching reruns of Island, I, I Love Lucy every day, then, you know, you'll be OK. Not that there's anything wrong with smoking cigarettes. No, I'm kidding about I Love Lucy reruns because they're always funny. You know what I mean? So just leave yourself alone and, and, and show up. Show up. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. Can we go back to like before you went out to um, Southern California, kind of like as you were going through high school, some of the struggles that you were facing, uh, 
Can mm. you talk about some of that? Cause it's like, I think so often we as guys just look at it and go, I have these, these deficits or these hurdles that I'm facing and nobody else has this problem. And it's just like, so false. Can, can you share like what you were facing back then? You know, everybody's putting on their best face. So whatever you think you're seeing probably isn't true. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of people that put on a good show and they walk around, they're happy and they're wealthy and they're successful and they're skinny and they, whatever, they have money in their pocket and all that kind of stuff. But everybody, not everybody, but a vast majority of people are struggling with something. You know what I mean? And then you can only, you can spend only so many nanoseconds on what you think is going on with them. And you're probably wasting your time, even with those few nanoseconds you're spending on them. So the job here is to sort of, okay, well, make an assessment of who you are, where you are in the moment. And for me, I didn't have the skill set to be able to deal with all the stuff I was going through back then. You know, I mean, I was not a good student. I moved around five or six times before sixth grade. So there's always new teachers, new neighbors, new kids at school. And I had a speech impediment that didn't help me any. You know what I mean? Because obviously, whenever there's a, a, a flaw or weakness in a kid, you know, other kids, for some reason, what's the genetics behind that? Like, oh, yeah, let's be let's be really rotten to this person who's already struggling. Uh, you know, there's a couple of. Uh, kids that come to the rescue, you know, in those moments, which probably means they have really good parents. Um, but whatever, you know, a lot of people are dragging their crap from home to school and they see you and you're vulnerable. And this is what this is what they're going to do. And, you know, I mean, <clears throat> crap happens, you know. And so, um, you know, I mean, I barely got through high school. I had to take a summer summer school to, to, to graduate barely. And then I went off to URI, the University of Rhode Island. I didn't do much better. But you know what I mean? I didn't get that. The speech thing had been um, diminished quite, quite substantially by that point. And I was, I was a communications and a theater major, probably because I was forcing myself to, to learn how to communicate better and, and, and perform better. And then, you know, whenever I did these live, uh, live shows, they were always pantomime with very little words. I would, I would, you know, just to throw a punchline in here and there, but it was just these kind of extravagant mime performances because my speech thing wasn't completely uh, nailed down yet. Um, but yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah. And then people look at me now like, man, that kid must've had everything going for him his whole life. Oh my God. You know what I mean? We had alcoholism in the family and we had rage in the family and we had financial issues in our family and, uh, and, uh, you know, all of it. It's a lot of, it's a lot of stress for my sisters and my, myself. I was the oldest and only boy. So I didn't have sort of a, a good mentor in the house, you know, a good sibling in the house. I could kind of lean on. I was, there was no such person. So I had to use humor and, and, and my small group of friends to kind of get some support from, but yeah, I mean, you know, for some kids it's elementary school, for some it's junior high. And then they, grow, they kind of make their way through high school, my elementary school, junior high school, and good sex, good part of my first and second year of high school were pretty brutal. And then, you know, then I, I, you know, I learned a few things to sort of reinvent myself or at least to kind of mask my flaws by my junior and senior year of high school. And then I remember having a conversation with my father's brother, my uncle, and he said, Hey, you know, you're going off to college. Here's an opportunity where nobody knows you there. And this is where you come in really stealthy and really quiet. You don't try to, you know, you don't make any waves early on. You want to make an assessment. You want to be really bright, make sure you find, you know, find yourself around the right kind of people. And just reinvent yourself. I mean, it's all right. Absolutely, thoroughly reinvent yourself. So I was faking it till I could make it. And then all of a sudden, I actually started to become that person I was faking, you know, as I was making my way through college. And then I came out here to California in 1980, still six credits short at URI. And again, another another chance to reinvent myself. 
you know, and then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the pier. I'm a work, I'm the assistant manager at the Oak tree men's clothing store. I'm, I'm a, I'm a frozen mannequin in a, in a, in a clothing store window, uh, plumber, carpenter, handyman, um, you name it, man. I was doing painting houses, doing whatever I could do to survive out here. But it was, it was fun, man. Cause I was in Cali. Yeah. Yeah. And it seemed like then you found your rhythm as far as getting into fitness and really like learning from people, you, you became like a sponge from what I understand, just learning all you could about fitness and then teaching it. How did that come about as far as, um, you know, finding a strength, like an area where you felt you you were competent and could, could help others. How did that come about? Mark, Mike, you've done your research, my friend, very nicely <laughs> done. Um, you know, when I came out here, uh, again, I, you know, I came out here with a couple of buddies and so we were already pals. And so we were a pretty uh, tight knit group. And then we would go to clubs or I, you know, I'd go to a gym once in a while, but I wasn't a member of anything. It was mostly just going to clubs and, and going down to the beach and playing volleyball or whatever, you know, just kind of meeting people that seemed athletic and cool. And, you know, we were all, we were all smoking weed and drinking beers so, though. I mean, that's just what we were doing back in those days. I mean, it was the early eighties. Um, um, but we were all of legal age, not for smoking pot, but, but you know, whatever, uh, that's what I was used to back at you are high and, um, probably, probably by my, my grade point average. And I don't even get high anymore or drink or anything. It just doesn't, doesn't serve me. So, um, you're just kind of making your way, you know what I mean? And, and exercise wasn't really on the table, like going to a gym and doing structural, like, like sequential movements so you can get stronger or get cardiovascularly strong or something. We would play hoop and we would play tennis and we would play sandlot football and we would play street hockey and and volleyball and all these different things. It wasn't really, you know, and then I wasn't very good at any of them, but I didn't really care. I was just hanging out with my friends. And then um, I got I was I wanted to be an actor. And so I, I eventually got an agent. My agent was a little disappointed in my physique. And I took a weightlifting class in college and and I, it was a great experience for that one semester. And I got in great shape and my GPA went up that that semester too, because I was taking care of myself. Um, and then after that semester, you know, well, whatever, you know, a year and a half went by and back in, in, uh, in LA and my agent just said, Hey, you know, if you want to work more, you got to kind of get a little trimmer and get rid of some of that gut and build some strength in your arms and look a little bit better. It's California, man. And I took that person so seriously. And I, and I joined a gym for $99 a year, the sports connection on ocean, ocean park Boulevard and in, in Santa Monica. And I was amazed, man. I walked into this building, three stories, like the size of three football fields stacked on top of each other of just equipment and people training and, and aerobic classes. What is, what is that? I'm going in there. That looks cool. It's all women and I'm going in, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so whatever, you know what I mean? And I was, I was a go-go dancer at Chippendales for a short while because I used to be a dancer. I used to love to dance in, you know, in clubs and stuff. And so I just took to it like a fish to water. And then um, and then one of the jobs that I finally got when I got a real job, I was a PA at 20th Century Fox, um, a production assistant. And my boss was a guy by the name of Harlan Goodman. And Harlan was in the music industry before he was doing that. He was working for this with this gal, uh, Julia Phillips and her and her husband, John Phillips, uh, prior to their divorce, did Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Taxi Driver and and the sting with Robert Redford and Paul Newman. So I was, I was on a lot and I was going on auditions and I was getting fit at the gym. And, and, you know, when I first started working for Julia and Harlan, I didn't look that good. And about three months into it, Harlan's like, man, what are you doing? You, you look, 
something's going on with you. I just, you could just see it after a while. Like at first you don't know this. And all of a sudden they start seeing this, you know what I mean? And this, and I, and he said, Hey, this job is so stressful. Would you want to train me? Not certified, clueless. I was just kind of copying people in the gym. Like, what's he doing? What's she doing? What's that? Okay. Squats, lunges, hack squats, bicep curls, supersetting, pyramid setting. I'm just write all this stuff down. And so I started training my boss in my buddy's backyard garage and, you know, I had that job for a while and it was kind of a fun thing. And I helped them lose about, I think, anywhere between 35 and 45 pounds. And unfortunately, they had no luck making movies. And, and uh, the job was super stressful. I mean, she was not easy to work for, Julia. She'd fire me every Friday and he'd call me up on Sunday nights and go, dude, you're not fired. Just come in. I was training him and, I, and then he was getting results. And then friends of his were asking me, how'd you do that? So all of a sudden I had like four or five clients, not enough to sustain me. You know, because I'd see them two twice a week or once a week or maybe some Harlan and maybe one or two others at three times a week, still doing carpentry, still doing odd, still waiting tables, still still a bartender or whatever I could do. And so he went back to making music and uh, he worked at East End Management on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, da, 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 Hollywood. And uh, he was walking down the hallway in the other direction. There's Tom Petty's got a cigarette and he says, oh, my God, Harlan, you look fantastic. I mean, I've never seen you so thin. What did you do? Well, I'm, I'm working out with this guy, Tony, Hort Tony Horton. Who's Tony Horton? And he says, well, he's my trainer. He, he used to work with me and Julia back in the day, but now he's kind of training and doing a, well, can you give me his phone number? And so Harlan didn't tell me that he was giving Tom Petty my phone number. So the phone rings. I write about it in the book. And um, my roommate, Bob, picks it up. Hi, my name is Tom Petty. I'm looking for Tony Horton. So we had a couple of practical jokers that lived downstairs below us. This guy, John and Jim. And Bob goes, dude, I think it's Jim downstairs. I'm saying it's Tom Petty. Go well, hang up the phone. So Bob hangs up on Tom Petty. Phone rings a couple of minutes later. Hey, we got disconnected. And then Bob goes, dude, this is the best impression ever. Or it's actually Tom Petty. I go, give me the phone. Hello? Hi, it's Tom Petty. You know what I mean? So is this crazy? It, Harlan goes, yeah, I forgot to tell you that Tom's going to call you. I went to his house like the next day or two. And, you know, he lived in he lived in Woodland Hills. Big gate, bunch of trees, long driveway, walk in glass, top the floor, golden platinum records on the wall. Tom's there, puts a cigarette out. Hey, you know, I'm going on tour and I'm and I'm fat. Nobody likes a fat rocker. You know, that's my Tom Petty. It's not good. Uh, but it's the best I can do. And uh, so I had him for four months and I got him a heavy bag and elliptical, not elliptical, but a, but a stationary bike, bench press, dumbbells. And we did push ups and all of it. And, you know, he didn't need to lose weight. He just needed to redistribute. Right. We had to burn off the fat, get his get his his lungs and his internal organs, heart working better. And he went off on that tour, man. And everybody was like, what happened to Tom Petty? Like he was he showed up with like vests with no sleeves, stuff like that. Tom Petty has arms, you know what I mean? Tank tops, he was like with quiet riot on shirts. He was wearing cut off. He'd cut off the sleeves because he was so proud of his arms. And um, it was just crazy. And then the phone just rang off the hook. Then Billy Idol called, bloody hell, mate, fantastic. What do you do to Petty, man? Can you come to my house? So, yeah, Tom lived way, way in, in the valley and Billy lived way up in Hollywood Hills. But there was a period there where... You know, I my Monday, Wednesday, Friday, when Bruce was in town, that Bruce, that's what I'm talking about. It was Billy Idol, Tom Petty, Annie Lennox from the Arrhythmics, um, Bruce Springsteen, Stephen Stills, 
from Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Plus, Sean Connery, Shirley MacLaine, Bryce Dallas Howard, um, Joey Fatone, um, Octavia Spencer, um, Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, um, Jason Sheff from Chicago. You know, it was I kept rock and roll from the 60s to 70s alive there for a while. You're welcome. And uh, you know what I mean? So it was cool. But I still had I still lived in a crappy little apartment with a broken down car. And I had to buy another car because one car was in the shop and I had to drive the other car. And, you know, you're just going, you're bing bonging, pin pong bonging all over the city trying to train one one after another. And I was I wasn't making that much money. I mean, more than I was as a as a handyman. But uh, it seemed cool. But I was still broke, you know, in those days. So how did you how did you get from that point? And you've also talked about, you know, like the the alcoholism and, and anger and everything else. How did you set yourself up mentally to transition from what you had experienced? Now you're changing physically and you're seeing people, you know, transform their bodies. But then you, you, you're going through like a mental shift, like mental, emotional, like mindset, everything like that. How did you, how did that come about for you, man? Well, you know, the read and writing and arithmetic wasn't enough for me in school. You know what I mean? I mean, most people go through this pattern and they get this job and then they have they get married and they have kids. And then, you know, it's very rare that that all that's an uphill thing. You know, I just I just physically moved 3000 miles across the country to a completely different culture. So Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Jersey, mass, there's a certain sort of a there's a vibe there. Not, not saying it's a bad vibe. It's just sort of this thing that didn't work for me. You know what I mean? A lot of people who've come, who start off in the East coast, go West young man to find their fame and fortune and go, I don't like this bunch of crazy plastic people in California. You know what I mean? Like whatever, some things work, some things don't work. I, I fell into my groove the, the day I arrived here, man. I just, and it's just a different perspective, different people, you know what I mean? And a lot, a lot of times when you, when you're, you know, and look, it wasn't all hell when I was growing up, my parents busted their butt for me and my sisters to give us a tremendous lifestyle they were two young kids who got married who weren't married, maybe, you know, who, who whatever they had their their issues, you know what I mean? And I think they did the best they could based on who they were and who their parents were, you know what I mean? But I just felt like there was more to life. And so the move was a big change. The personal development work was a big change. Surrounding myself with the right kind of people was, was really important, really upbeat, constructive, happy, funny people, right? was just who I was drawn to. And, uh, you know, I'm genetically made up of, you know, centuries of cells from the past that makes this guy, you know, and this guy, I was always a glasses half full guy, you know what I mean? And uh, I had my moments of, of great depression and sadness and, and, and concern about where I was going in my life. So all those things mattered, you know, and, and, um, and you, I mean, I was a, I was a reader and, and, uh, because I didn't get anything I needed to get from school. And so a lot of that was just stuff I started applying to my life. It wasn't easy at first, but it's, I thought to myself, well, here's a pretty smart person that's written a pretty nice book and it's pretty popular. And maybe I should just do what they're talking about in their book. And I did quite often. I really did. And I worked on my speech issues just by increasing my vocabulary. So I would no longer continue to be a malaprop. Uh, there you go. There's a word. And, um, and that helped, you know what I mean? It helped me disseminate uh, what I needed to 
disseminate so that I could express myself in such a way so I could have an impact on other people. And I did that also because I got on stage. I did stand-up comedy for two years. I was part of Second City LA when it was here very briefly. And I was I had uh, scene study classes with Brian Reese and, and uh, Daryl Hickman and Ivor Francis. And, I you know, I was just immersed in surrounding myself with new people, new concepts, new ways to communicate via acting or via comedy or via improvisation or whatever it was. And so uh, I just did what I wanted to do. And every once in a while, I would do odd jobs so I could pay my rent and get some gas in my car um, and live hand to mouth and, and, and off of credit cards. I, you know, I got a credit card and then I'm, uh, yeah, and I got another credit card to pay off that credit card. And that kept going. And before you know it, I had eight or nine credit cards. And then I, then power 90 hit and I could pay them all off in one big chunk, which was, you know, <gasps> very lucky to do. Be able to the do sigh that. of relief. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Well, Hey, in, in the, the time we've got left, man, I, there's so much more I would love to dive into. Um, in 2017, you ended up having, um, Ramsey hunt syndrome mm. and I can't even fathom. Like, I mean, I've, I've got tinnitus. Um, I can't imagine what you were going through with that. Can you explain like what it is and how it came about for you? Cause like, dude, you did like an absolute change in your, in yourself, like healing yourself from something that's so debilitating to me is just so amazing. Well, if you had chicken pox as a kid, then the uh, the shingles virus lives inside of you. And, uh, you know, that thing that we call stress, I mean, we're under stress all the time. The minute you walk outside, the sun is creating a certain amount of stress on your skin, all right? The minute you raise your voice, there's stress, right, that forces your adrenal glands and your and your cortisol levels to kind of go up. If you're exercising, there's stress. If you're, you know, thinking and trying to write an important note or something, there's stress. And I just, I, that was all stuff that I could deal with because I had exercise and cardio. I wasn't really meditating back then. It's not really. I would once in a while just to say I did. But I was, um, Tom Petty died the day after the Vegas shooting. So I had friends that were at the Vegas shooting. And I was so thoroughly appalled in hearing the story of my friends running for their lives as people are getting p- picked off next to them. I just thought to myself, this is happening in this country. Like, what is going on? And then Tom dies the next day. And that whole two weeks that this was happening, I was in renegotiation with Beachbody. And I'm sitting there in these negotiations going, oh, my God, 20 years with this company. And this is what they want to pay me. You want to pay me less now? After are you? This, I mean, I was just like, I just I, I, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. And all that was happening. And I didn't know how to deal with it. And so oh, I had a weird little. I had a weird little headache. I had a headache on the right side of my head. And then I was at a dinner party and there was this incredible itching and pain, you know, like this felt raw and it was pretty far in. So I didn't notice it right away. And the shingles were emerging from all that stress in my ear. Now you can get shingles across your back, across your chest and your thigh, around your waist, you know, I mean, along your butt, there's a lot, but the very, 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 very last place you want it is in your brain. Cause that affects your sight, your smell, your taste, your balance. Right. And the tinnitus was a or tinnitus or whatever you want to call it was a 12. It was like three stage beep, 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 all the time, all the time, 24 seven, go to sleep like that. Like just insane. And my balance was like, it wasn't vertigo. It wasn't this. It was this. It felt like I was on, there was an earthquake all the time. I was on, like trying to walk in an earthquake. 
Couldn't taste anything. Everything tasted like nothing. And all I could smell was secondhand smoke. That was, there was no smoke, but that's all I could smell. Exhausted. Couldn't eat. Couldn't drink. Couldn't drive. Couldn't work out. Couldn't get out of bed. And I was in excruciating pain. And every time I, I stood up, I couldn't stand up. And then I would vomit. And this went on for weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months and months. And all the king's horses and all the king's men didn't know how to put me back together again. And they just said, hey, you know, it's going to go away eventually. And we don't know how. And then I got Bell's palsy. So this whole side of my face was like a Spielberg movie with the Nazis. I'm like, melting. He said, I couldn't this, this, and I couldn't close this eye. And this was, oh, I'm a, I'm a fitness trainer. You know what I mean? And a lot of people, this, a lot of people get this and it's permanent. Their balance is crap forever. Their t- sense of taste is crap. They cannot. So, and I'm hearing, you know, hey, man, it's just, you know, be lucky you're alive. You got two limbs and uh, two legs. And it's like, man. So when I, when there was a micro window for me to physically do something or to try to get some nutrition in me, I did. And sometimes I would walk on the treadmill for four minutes. I mean, one leg and I'd get off and I would sit down for two hours and then I would get up and throw up it, man, it was Friggin' brutal. But I know what brung me, and that was just taking care of myself. And so, you know, every time I could, a little bit more, a little bit more exercise, a little bit more food would get into me. And then I met with the folks at Golden Hippo and I said, hey man, what what can you can what can cut you can you English? There was a little bit of that that speech impediment. There it was, came back to haunt me. Ah, I used to panic. Now I just make fun of it. Um, they came up with a you know a concoction that worked for me, the plant-based pro, uh, protein and the whey protein. And something called Foundation Four that's basically healed my my gut health. And then I just started reading John Cabot Zinn's book, Full Catastrophic Living. That's John Cabot Zinn's book, Full Catastrophic Living. Where are you, dude? Are you here? Oh, it's usually back here because I always keep ah here it is even closer than I thought. Look at that! Look at that monster! <laughs> and as you could tell, I think you just I, gave me some homework there, Tony. Wow. Look at, me. look at me. Look at me. I was, this book saved my butt, man. Mm. Here, look at that. I got it going on there. And I would just read some of these passages and I'd go, yeah, you're going to be all right, man. Mm. And so, you know, about a year later, I was normalish, but now I still have something called bilateral vestibular hypofunction, which is something that that some people will have. They don't have Ramsey Hunt forever because that will go away eventually, especially with meds and stuff. But they do have that balance issue, which like today, when I was on the set, I noticed it kicking in because I was reading this teleprompter over and over and over and over again, trying to get all the words just right. And the words start to brrr, and I could feel my uh, my stress rise up because I wasn't getting it. And then the rams, the uh, bilateral vestibular hypofunction kicks in. And for a lot of people, that's permanent. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm very lucky that my lifestyle, my healthy lifestyle has allowed me to make a 99.4% recovery, which is good enough. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, I'm 64. What the heck do I, what do I want? You know what I mean? Other parts of my life, like the mindfulness part, learning how to relax, learning how to be in the moment, just enjoying my life more and spending more time with my dogs, my wife. That is all a result of what I went through. When you go through hell, you know what I mean? You can take that moment and you can do the woe is me routine or you can try to see the sunny side of Philly and um, and make the best of it. And so I'm I'm a different guy. I mean, I'm still pumped up and giddy up and let's go and push hard and fly through the ninja course. But I'm also I'm that guy, too.
got, you're intentional about what you're doing. I mean, that shows in your diet and what you're doing, your activities and thinking. And I mean, to see the transformation from, from the picture that would, you know, like you've shared when, you know, we're diagnosed with that to where you're at now, it's like, can't even see that. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just amazing. I want to be happy, Mike. Yes. I like being happy. I like being joyous. I like to laugh. And I want to do that. I want to do that later in my life. But what happens to most people in their 40s, 50s, 60s and 70s, they start getting early onset curmudgeon disorder. Oh, you don't want that, man. And then what happens to early onset curmudgeon disorder? It becomes chronic curmudgeon disorder. And then what leads to that? It's terminal curmudgeon disorder. And it's get off my lawn. You know what I mean? You're just screaming at the world like a maniac. Yeah, but I supposed to do that earlier today. Come on, Tony. I mean, I get I get great joy from yelling. Yeah, it's just it's just like it's just it's just an aging accelerant, man. It just is. So, you know, you got to you got to live and let live, you know, a little bit unless somebody is impeding on, on the quality of your life. Then that's that's a different story. You know what I mean? So that's just I, like I look outside and I see like somebody or dogs crapped on my yard. I go, mm, I can go out there and make a big stink about that. But I don't know. Man, not going to not worth it. the energy. No, sir. No. Well, Tony, thank you so much for sharing like where you've come from, what you've gone through and and the core of how you're being intentional to change things, because it's like, man, just like you. I've got an opportunity in, in, you know, the life circumstances around me to see what I don't want when I, you know, and continue aging and then deciding, Hey, what do I want? And then working to reclaim that. So Tony, I appreciate it. You being, you know, where you're at, what you're doing and, and just drawing from your experiences and knowledge and sharing that today. How can people reach out to you outside of uh, the podcast here? Uh, first of all, thank you, Mike, for having me on. Great questions, man. I like when I get on. I've been on five hundred ninety-five thousand podcasts, and it's nice when there's. I feel that something a little bit different. I appreciate what you did today. Um, you know, my purpose is to help other people find theirs. So, you know, if you want to find me and look around, um, you can go to uh, uh, PowerNationFitness.org. That's PowerNationFitness.org. Uh, you can get in there seven day free trial, check out the brand new program. People have done P90X 85 times. I don't know how they can look at the same jokes and moves over and over again because it works, I guess. But there's a brand new program, 25 moves. There's uh, uh, live workouts, masterminds. It's a really pretty groovy thing that we spent two betas trying to create during the pandemic. So um, powernationfitness.org to check that out. And if you just want to find out where I am and what I'm doing and what's the latest and the greatest, and you buy some Tony Horton t-shirts, you go to tonyhortonlife.com. The other one is org. This one is com, tonyhortonlife.com. And uh, and that's how you get a hold of me there. So, and then on there, you can see where all my Twitter and Facebook and Instagram stuff is on my main platform. Uh, We just had an event here at the house. Uh, we're going to have a big ski event that we do every year in Jackson Hole. So if you're a skier or a snowboarder, we do a little bit of yoga in the morning. We ski and snowboard all day. And then we do a little bit at the end of the day. Then we eat and laugh. And it's fun. Tell stories. That sounds like perfect like day, dude. <laughs> so pretty great. Yeah. Pretty great. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. like get out to hang with people and be your best. Be your best and forget the rest. Absolutely. Rule number one. Number one. Well, Tony, thank you very much, my friend. I appreciate it. Likewise, Mike. Thank you, man. 
thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in breaking free. See you on the next episode. And remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.